0: May the grace and the love and the joy of Jesus Christ and of His Holy Spirit overflow us this morning. And this morning we begin a new series called "The Big Questions," where we're going to reflect on many of the big and difficult and honest, blunt questions that are asked in the Scriptures. But what I especially want us all to do in this series is to listen very intently to what God says in response to these big questions. And so as we begin this morning, I want to go back to the book of Judges, Judges chapter six. And here in Judges six, we're going to find our first big question. Judges chapter six, and starting in the 11th verse. It says now the angel of the Lord came and sat underneath a terebinth at Ophrah, which belonged to Joash, while his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. And now in verse 13 is where our big question comes along. And Gideon said to him, Please, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all of his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of Midian. It is the number one question that is voiced in the world even to this day. It is the voice of agnosticism, where when so many people in this world even hear the name God, the image that is immediately brought to their minds is this vindictive monster who lives in the sky with this nefarious master plan to inflict pain and suffering on everything and on everyone in the world, who treats human beings as a person tortures ants with a magnifying glass. And yet if we could also immerse ourselves in Gideon's world and and really place ourselves in Gideon's shoes, empathetically, we will actually learn that this is also a very human question. A question that we should not be too afraid to ever ask or to ponder. And what that big question is in the world that has always lingered is if the Lord really is with us, if the Lord really is all-powerful, if God really is a God of grace and love and peace, then why does he allow so much pain and suffering and tragedy to occur in the world? Why is there so much sickness, darkness, and disease? Why do things such as earthquakes and tsunamis even exist in a world in which he was the architect of? All of these disasters as they strike, which are legally referred to as acts of God. We live in a very broken and ravaged world where where a lot of people who have broken lives and broken souls ask the question very bluntly, very candidly, why do things like pedophilia, incest abuse, racism, and it just goes on and on, why do these things exist if God really is all wonderful? And yet you and I together right now can, can look back on very painful things that have happened in our past. Things that we have experienced and endured and have witnessed and have felt very acutely. And so we just stand back and we, we, we really look at all of the world's perils and all of its depravity and its chaos and its heartache. And sometimes when we find ourselves in these moments, we ourselves might just be inclined to, to also stand with Gideon and to ask, God. Do you even care about us anymore? I mean, we are crying out to you for help with all of our hearts, but are you even listening to our prayers at this point? It's what we find the Israelites asking God. As they are wandering in the wilderness, and they need water, but there's no water. Exodus chapter 17, the exact question that they ask God is, is the Lord among us or is he not? there's a writer whose name is David Bentley Hart. And what he writes is is that there are these five-minute patches here and there where I lose faith momentarily, which one should do with a certain regularity. Well, as we find Gideon, it begins with this beautiful reminder as, as an angel of God comes to him. It says, the angel of the Lord. A lot of people do believe that this is the incarnate Jesus appearing to him. And what he says to Gideon is, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. It's a beautiful blessing which has been pronounced upon Gideon, but, but as Gideon hears all of this, it just sounds like sarcasm to him. And that's because what we learn earlier on in the book of Judges is that Midian has invaded Israel. Now, the Midianites were amongst the most affluent nations that we read about in the ancient world. It's the kind of nation that had a surplus on top of a surplus. And so for a period of seven years, these Midianites are descending upon the Israelites. They are tormenting them. Like locusts, they are swarming down upon them. They they are descending down upon them, and they are raiding all of their crops. It's reached the point, as it says in Judges 6, there was no sustenance in the land of Israel. The angel finds Gideon as he's threshing wheat. Now, when you would thresh wheat in these days, this was an activity always to be done outside. And especially on a windy day, because wind had been very instrumental in blowing away all of the chaff away from the grain. But notice where he is threshing wheat. It says in the text that he is threshing it in the winepress. Winepresses had been way down below. Gideon responds to all of this with with a question of his own. What do you mean the Lord is with me? Lord is with me. We have been oppressed by an outside nation for seven years, almost a decade now. We're going to bed every single night on, on empty stomachs. We are malnourished. I mean, they, you know, these many nights don't even need our food, but but they're just doing it to just rub our faces in the mud and to be gluttonous. And what do you mean that I am a mighty man of valor also, by the way? Because I don't feel so mighty right now. I don't, I don't have a whole lot of valor right now. I am hiding inside a wine press, thrashing wheat in a wine press. And as Gideon later on articulates, he says, God has abandoned us. And it's like Egypt, the Red Sea, Jericho, the Jordan River, Now, all of that was a very long time ago now. And you see, I think a main reason why Gideon responds in the way that he does is because in verse 6, we have a very key component here in all of this. As it says in verse 6 of Judges 6, that Israel was brought very low because of Midian. And it says, the people of Israel cried out for help to the Lord. And this is a place where I think we will find ourselves many, many times for for all kinds of reasons in this life, where our self-dependency and self-reliance now has reached a very critical mass. And now we are absolutely sensing, we we are absolutely feeling our absolute rock-bottom helplessness and hopelessness apart from the strength and the power of the living God. In fact, the way that Jesus refers to all of this as in the Sermon on the Mount are um, those who are poor in spirit. Where we sink to a place where we realize we cannot possibly sink any lower than this. And we know in our heart of hearts that the only way we are ever getting out of this quicksand alive is by being rescued to the only one who can rescue us, and that is God. This is what the Israelites are doing in Judges 6, but there is a tremendous problem though. Midian is still there. Midian is still wreaking havoc on their nation. And it just looks to Gideon as well as I imagine just about everybody else in Israel that, okay, we are crying out to God, help us, help us, help us. Yet God just doesn't seem to be listening to this. And that leads to getting and asking God a very candid question. God, if the Lord were so wonderful after all, then why have all of these horrible and terrible things been happening to us? And yet, there is a glaring problem as we find early on in this text Judges chapter 6, and it, and it begins in verse 1 by saying that the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. Now, a lot of times in Old Testament scripture, what this is code for, usually with with very few exceptions, is idolatry. And so they were doing what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord gave them into the hand of Midian seven years. We drop down into verse 10, as the Israelites cry out to God, and I am the Lord your God, you shall not fear the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. Notice this, but you have not obeyed my voice. Now what the question then becomes, is Is it God's fault that Israel has ignored warning after warning after warning after warning not to wander off into idolatry? Now it becomes, is it really a matter of why has God abandoned Israel as much as it is why has Israel abandon God, when we voluntarily choose carelessness and death and irresponsibility, that's not on God. That's on me. It's on you. It's on us. And as we all look back in the book of Genesis, as as God entrusts this world that, that he created over to us, And we see all the ways that that we have raped this earth and taken all of the goodness that was there out of it. Is it not true that in so many ways, it can also be said that for so long, we have been the virus in this earth. That for all this time, we were the virus. Gideon asked the question that if God really were with us, then why has all of this happened to us? And yet the response might just come as a surprise to us. God responds to Gideon's question with yet another question. And what he says to him is, Do not I send you to save Israel? In other words, you as my image bearer are to be a part of the solution of this grand problem. That you as my image bearer have a responsibility in how you respond to this. And I can relate so much with the way that Gideon replies to God's question. Where he just looks at himself and says, look at me God. How can I save the Israelites? My tribe is the weakest amongst the tribes. And not just that, but, but I am the least in my father's household. How can I do anything positive, God? And yet God makes yet another response to this, and and it is the, the exact same response God makes every single time to his people in these situations. Or in verse 16, how God replies to this is, Gideon, I will be with you. And that is exactly what we find transpiring later on in chapter 7 as well as chapter 8 of Judges. Where there are 135,000 plus Midianites camped down in the valley. And Gideon raises up 32,000 troops. God says, no, that's way too many troops. And so it's narrowed down now and they have 10,000 troops. God says, no, that is still way too many troops. I don't want anybody thinking that we have done this by our own power and strength and political ingenuity. God narrows it down all the way to 300 men of valor of God. They are literally outnumbered 450 to 1. And yet, as we all know, what transpires there? It's so incredible. Now, with the power of God and the strength of God filling them, As his army, it is 300 against 135,000 of them. And they walk into their trumpets blazing, torches blazing in the night. 300 voices shouting in unison, the sword of the Lord and the sword of Gideon. And we all know Midian fell and surrendered that night. God's people once again have been rescued. A brand new Red Sea, Jordan River, Jericho situation. You see, Gideon asked the question that if the Lord really were with us, why have all these horrible, terrible things happened to us? He said, God has forsaken us. It's a very human question. In fact, it's a question even Jesus Christ understands. And that's because he was in a situation where he himself asked it. In fact, he screamed it. And what we find coming out of the mouth of Jesus as he suffocates on the cross. Psalm 22. Eli, Eli. Lama sabathani. That is my God. God why have you forsaken me why are you so far away from saving me from the words of my groaning oh my god i cry by day but you do not answer and by night but i find no rest o oh, lord do not be far off o oh, you who are my help come quickly to my aid He says, deliver my soul from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dog. Save me from the mouth of the lion. And yet as you and I and and everybody in the Christian and non-Christian communities alike all know, is that none of that happens. Jesus would die on that cross that day. Jesus knows what it's like to say, why have you forsaken me, God? God, where in the world are you? God, can't you see what is happening to me here? No, maybe instead of always asking that talking point question, how could a loving God allow so much suffering? Maybe just once we should also ask the question of how and why would a hateful, vindictive monster God leave heaven? Just so he could be hunted, demonized, tortured, betrayed, abandoned, and crucified innocently so that you and I can be forgiven of crimes we committed against heaven and spend all of eternity securely and joyfully enraptured sharing eternity with him. I love so much what we read later on in Judges chapter 8 after all of this has occurred in Gideon's life. Judges chapter 8 and verse 28, what it says is that, it says, So Midian was subdued before the people of Israel, and the land had rest 40 years in the days of Gideon. At last, God's people remembered to call on the name of the Lord and to mean it and to follow him and to obey his voice. And yet, tragically, that is not the end of the story. Sadly, the end of the story is in verse 33. As soon as Gideon died, the people of Israel turned again and whored after the Baals, and made baal their God. And the people of Israel did not remember the Lord their God, who had delivered them from the hand of all of their enemies on every side. Every single day that we are given, every single beating of our heart that is afforded to us, every single breath that is within us, calamity or otherwise, is a divine opportunity to call on the name of the Lord in our conduct, in our thoughts, in our attitude, in our lives. May we live in such a way that we do just that rather than reverting back to what everybody else in our society is doing as Israel had done. We are the answer. Let's pray. Our Father, who is always near us, There is so much darkness and so much hurting in this world and we know that our trials and the the situations in this world don't always come because we did something wrong three weeks ago or three months ago and we're just getting what was coming to us all along. We don't believe this. Every situation is unique. And a lot of times we we aren't going to know all the answers or the details as to why or how, but so often, Father, we can look back on our life and say that it wasn't all of those times where we were laughing and carefree, and yet it was all of those seasons and those long, agonizing months and maybe even years of our life where were we just hung by a thread. But but now we look back and and I mean, those were the times where we became who we are today and where we learned what this God of ours was, was really about. I pray, Father, that you give us the wisdom that we are lacking to know how to respond and, and how to conduct ourselves in this time in a way that will honor and glorify you in our city. We love you and we want to honor you in our lives. And for our everyday lives to be just another way of saying, Lord, I love you. And now, let that extend to everyone we come into contact with. Lord, we ask all of this according to your will. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.